Good day, good day, and welcome to Your Voice, Your Power. I am Anika Wilson, and today I have a power panel. We are talking about trauma recovery, and it's something that is necessary to talk about because you cannot hold it in. So I want to introduce the first guest, who is someone who I love to have on the podcast, and she specializes in trauma. So, hey, Susan. Hey, Annika, thank you for having me. It is my pleasure. Can you tell listeners who you are and how you play into the role of trauma? Okay, my name again is Susan Greif. I am a speaker, author, and I am a visibility strategist. And what I do is I help women find their voices and be seen and uh, and let go of the trauma that keeps them feeling paralyzed, powerless, and in pain. Um, I use the I use art as a way of seeing the subconscious, seeing where people hold their trauma, and helping them, um, giving them tools and strategies to move past, to forgive and move on, and, and break the cycle of trauma, because I really deal a lot with ancestral trauma. I work a lot with ancestral trauma, and uh, because I am a child of Holocaust survivors, and my parents went through their own trauma during the war, and what we've come to learn is that ancestral trauma can be inherited of what we're learning lately of epigenetics and how our genotype can be changed and passed on. So it's not just our own traumas, it's also the trauma of our parents. So I help my clients see this trauma and break the cycle so they don't pass it on as well. That is awesome. And what I love about what you do is that a lot of times, well, it took a long time for people to incorporate art into trauma therapy as well as music into trauma therapy. And I think people are starting to open up to the fact that it is healing. And I know Randy is going to talk about probably the fact that art, she also, in a sense, uses art for healing. And so I didn't even realize the commonalities until you just mentioned it. But I'm, in, I'm so excited for us to have this conversation. And I'm so thank you for what we're doing. Um, because it is, it is amazing. So thank you so much for, uh, for what you do. Thank you. And thank you for being here. My pleasure. All right. So Randy, can you go ahead and tell listeners who you are and how you tie into this role of trauma? So I'm Randy Bryant. I am a mother. I am a trauma Survivor, I got probably a good way to put it. Uh, you know, I'm a cancer survivor. Um, I am a business owner. I'm a caseworker. I use art to, for me, it's incredibly therapeutic. Uh, I've noticed um, as I look back over my life and, and kind of how I've dealt with things my entire life has been involved with the arts and it's always pulled the arts in in some way to manage a situation or to manage my own emotions. And most recently, uh, in the last six years, it's become metalsmithing and making jewelry. And it's probably uh, the, one of the most therapeutic things I've ever done, just being able to go and lose myself in the art and, and come out with a piece of, 
of healing really that I can, that I can wear or that someone else can wear and, and find beauty in, or even being able to have conversations with folks and hear their story and, and be able to participate in making a piece of jewelry that they can wear is, is one of my favorite things to do. Um, because I think sometimes we have to look outside of ourselves and, and our own trauma to, to heal. At least for me, that's been, and that's been something that I've noticed is just being able to kind of look outside of myself. And so for me, like just talking with someone and, and making them, um, most recently, one of the coolest things I did was I had a lady say, Hey, like, I really want to kind of commemorate my 50th birthday and what, you know, I really like, I like this and I like this. And I was like, okay, so what I'm hearing you say is you want every piece of metal I've ever worked with and you want to be able to wear it. And she's like, yeah. So I showed her some stones and she's like, I want that one. And I'm like, all right, so here's the deal. So I made her this really cool wide band ring with uh, Roman numerals in mixed metals with this really gorgeous stone. And, you know, whether or not she was feeling, you know, any bad kind of way about turning 50, she, you know, she now can walk around with this, I made it here. This is a milestone. And look at this really cool piece of jewelry that I get to walk around with. So that, that in and of itself, I think for me is, is also a part of that healing process. And so, yeah, that's, that's what I do. Just try to encourage folks to, you know, walk through it and process it and, and keep moving forward one step at a time. May I add something to that? So first of all, kudos to you, Randy. Uh, that's great news. You know, why, why is art, first of all, so therapeutic is because it, it's like an act of meditation, right? You're in the zone and you're really, it's a form of expression, which you are aware of, of, of getting it all out, getting it all out. And the fact that like you have jewelry with engravings and stuff like that, I mean, that's the scar that you show others that doesn't, that you don't hold it within, you, mm -hmm. you share with others and, and you share the light with others by saying, okay, it's okay to show your scars because this is what made us who we are today. So I love that. Thanks, Randy. Thank you. <laughs> I just love the fact that it's, it's, a lot of people hide their trauma and they hide their scars and it's okay to have scars. You know, it's, it's okay to talk about it. It's okay to show it. It's okay to say that I lived through it, you know, because it's validation when we can look back at something that we've gone through and, you know, we can say we made it. So, I mean, that's the way that I see the art that you guys are, 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 are producing and even you coaching people through your art, Susan, it's so powerful because you can literally see the healing process through the art and even wearing it, you know, it's just, I don't know, to me it's symbolic. And like you said, it is a form of meditation. A lot of people think that you have to go through these immense processes to heal. And it could be as simple as something that you have. I know I started coloring at one point. I started buying adult coloring books and that was before everybody else was doing it. But I realized it was thoughtless and it just, it gives you a release. And yeah, 
Yeah. I mean, even if you scribble, I mean, there you're releasing energy. It doesn't have to be anything specific, anything beautiful. It's not about the outcome. It's about the process, right? And getting it all out. And the fact that if you share your scars with others and you share your trauma, people are always feeling alone. I have a, a new client coming in. Yesterday I had a conversation. I was just like, well, I always thought I was alone. Like, no, like there are all these other people, you know, that, that are share your issues and share that. So, you know, coming forefront and tell, and sharing your stories with others gives people permission to share their stories too. And of course, as you know, it's cathartic to share your stories. Mm-hmm. It really is. And you're a light and you're a light to others. So great. And it lets people know that it's okay. Like you said, permission. A lot of people need permission, you know? So well, they think they do. And thank you for correcting me. You're absolutely Because <laughs> I was just thinking about some people, they hold back and it's like, you don't, you don't need permission. Like you have to tell them it's okay. And really it is. And they shouldn't need to wait for that. Um, so um, Suzanne, can you tell everyone how, uh, who you are and how you play into the role of trauma recovery? Hi, Annika. Um, my name is Suzanne Daniels. I am a South African living in Los Angeles. Um, I am a single mom to a 19-year-old who is blind and studying acting for film. My own um, journey has been that of a whistleblower in my country. Um, and having to come to terms with that trauma after 24 years as a corporate lawyer. And I use my skills these days to teach other women how to cope and create a business and lifestyle that they desire. I'm sorry, but when you said you were a whistleblower, I, 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 I admire you already. Because the oh, thank you. Is, is that some people they they think that that's a thing. I think it's power. It is it is it's so much power in saying that something is not okay and you won't stand for it. It's everything. It's so, bravery. It's bravery. And this is what I you. yeah. And that's what you put. Yeah. And that's what it is about being authentically you and and speaking up. Right. That's that's what we have to do. Women have been shut down too long. Yes, and, they have. And they continue to be, so that's why I chose to work in the field that I am. That is awesome, because, you know, you. <laughs> where permission comes up again, of everybody thinking that you have to have permission to have rights to be who you are and to demand respect, and that's not the case. So, I don't know, y'all are giving me more, uh, you give me goosebumps <laughs> when I, all right. So let me bring Sherry into this. Sherry, can you tell listeners who you are? contribute to the role of trauma recovery. Hello, everybody. My name is Shari Simmons. I'm from New York City, and I am a domestic violence survivor advocate. And I'm also starting a business called From Pain to Purpose. And the reason I'm doing that is because I've gone through a lot of traumatic events in my life and realized that all of those things happen for a reason. And there's no reason for me to sit and wallow in it. And I found my purpose through those traumatic things. And I come to realize that there are a lot of people, they're walking around and they're lost. They're just existing and they're not living. And 
I just want to help people, you know, find their purpose, their passions, their gifts, their talents. And I also use art. I'm a writer and a speaker. So I have um, healing through writing workshops, which I had one. And through that, I had some people do letter writing to themselves or to other people that they hurt. Just to get rid of that negative and that traumatic stuff. And I found that it was very helpful to people just to write it down. Some people, they gave their letters to the person or they just wrote it down. And it took some people, you know, they said that it took a, like a big weight was lifted off of them, a burden. So that's what I'm trying to do, get people to, you know, use alternate ways to heal. If you just write in a journal, write to yourself. It's a very simple thing to do. It doesn't take much to do it. So that's how I'm, you know. And it's very therapeutic, like the other lady said. Therapeutic to write things down and you just know that these are my feelings, these are my thoughts, and nobody else can take that away from me. And this is my truth. So that's pretty much what I'm doing with my business. I, I think that the word that you just struck me with is truth. And that is, Susan, give me a word for that. Cause you, you always give me great. <laughs> you just said, you said, I said power. You said something else that was even here. Um, truth was, give me an analogy, break it down. Talking to me? Yes. <laughs> to being authentic to yourself, you know, really going deep down and really analyzing who you're, true self is um, not the person we were told to be not the person we were conformed to be not the person that society tells us to be it's about following our inner and in, that's that's the whole idea about the you know we're, we're put in this box this is why i always feel it's so important to be seen and be heard and be authentically me because when you're conformed in a box, you can't shine. You can't, you're, you're kind of stuck. You're in a cage and like, there's like, there's no freedom that goes along with it. So in order to be heard and to be seen is to be authentically me. And, and that's, you know, it, it's integrity, it's authenticity, it's truth, it's self-love, you know, and, um, and, and non-judgment anymore. Enough, <laughs> enough of the judgment. You said integrity. It that, yeah. that resonates. Um, yeah. I want to ask each of you: What is it that led you to fight for recovery? Um, this is Sherry. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm gonna be very transparent right now and just let everyone know that my breaking point was sitting inside of a psych psychiatric ward and not being able to call my family so I was basically missing for four days and nobody knew where I was and it was then that I realized like that is not the place that I need to be and there's more to life than being here and I knew that I, I had to literally fight for myself to get out of there and it was at that moment it's like I need to start living for myself I knew the reasons why I was in there because I was upset and sad about the things that people were saying and doing for me and I realized that it's okay to let people go. It's okay to not worry about what everybody else has to say. It's okay to be me. So that was my, and that was very traumatic for me to be in that position. Powerless. 
Yeah, so I, I, I just felt like enough is enough. This is not where I want to be. And there's more to life for me. And I, was, and I was pregnant with my first son. And I was like, I have to do better for my first baby. I have to do better. And that was the day. Like, no more of that. I think motherhood does that to us. You know, it gives us that strength to do things that we didn't think we could do. And it, it definitely, for me, I think it caused me to, um, I think, put a shield on. Because I can't say that I healed at that point. I just decided that I was going to take more maybe because I stopped being as fragile and I kind of just was more abrasive, you know, but I can't say that I actually healed, you know what I mean? So I think that my breaking point came long after um, when I finally decided to heal. And I think that's something like, and in my conference series, we came up with the analogy that there's a difference between dealing and healing. You know, I think a lot of times we, as women, we deal, you know, and men deal, I, I think they deal longer than we do because we tend to heal, you know, decide to heal and, and, and do that sooner. But I think that that's the thing that we have to decide in our recovery process is the difference between dealing and healing. So, um, so uh, Randy, what was your breaking point? Like what, what made you fight for recovery? Um, I think for, for me, it was, seeing the women in my family who are strong and beautiful and capable, but not healed, like wallowing and seeing them, like seeing this almost generational thing and just saying, I, I don't want that for me. I, I don't want to be that person. I, I got, I think honestly, I like the moment was realizing that, um, I was pregnant with a girl and not a boy was kind of my moment because I wanted a boy. I was going to be a boy mom. Like I wanted, I mean, I'd have had a baseball team of boys, but no, God said, you're having this girl and she's going to give you a run for your money, but she's what you need. Yep. And I said, okay, like we're going to do this. And she, she is, she is a gift. And, but it was knowing that I was pregnant with her. I said, it was just something clicked and it was like, okay, you don't have to be the mom you don't want to be. You don't have to be, you don't have to keep carrying the things that were always that, that have continued generationally. Mm -hmm. And that was, that was kind of the first moment that I said, all right, I'm going to work on me and I'm going to be as healthy as possible. Um, as I can be. Uh, and, and that, and then, you know, and that hasn't stopped traumatic events from happening. Um, you know, we, we, I had a nine year marriage that went through ups and downs financially and ups and downs, um, with jobs and he would be unemployed and I would be working this ridiculous amount of hours or vice versa. And, then I got, we were, we were doing good and life was great. And I get diagnosed with cancer and it was like, oh, wait, what? Like, this is kind of another, like, we're no, not cancer. Like we're doing good. Like things are great. And, you know, and then going through 10 months of treatment and surgeries and, and I just, I came out going, okay, 
where we can either stay in 2017 and be miserable and think about all the things that are different, or we can continue to move forward and, and, in, and, and really embrace every moment. And that's, that's where I'm at today. Like I want to heal. Like I don't want to be stuck in the past. And that's, and that's the conversation I have with my daughter all the time. And I, I want to set that example. So I think for me, that was the breaking point, knowing that I wanted, I wanted her to see a different future than I thought I had. And I think that we, we have the power to make that happen. Absolutely. I'm breaking the cycle. It's breaking yeah. the cycle. That's what it yeah. is. You know, there's this old uh, Jewish proverb and it says, man plans and God laughs. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that, that statement is my life. Yes. It's not just sense of humor with me. It's not yeah. funny anymore. It like, actually, it's in Yiddish and in Yiddish it rhymes. So it's, you know, it's very funny. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, what was your so, breaking point? Me, I'm sorry, you said asking me. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that I think um, there are. There are many times in my life I've come to bridges and I couldn't cross them um, because there's always a troll under underneath the bridge, not allowing me to do it. And it's actually what I you know, I had written a chapter. Uh, for an anthology called Life Sparks, and the name of my chapter is Crossing Bridges. And all the bridges I kept, like, you know, saying no to once I got to the bridge, the fear of crossing over, you know. Mm -hmm. And those trolls are usually like these people in our past, mm -hmm. you know, who tell us you can't do it, you can't do it. So, uh, and I use that imagery for my clients, like, who is your troll? Like, you know, personify that troll for you. But, um, you know, so I, I had, I lost both my parents and I had four children in my 20s and I got married. So in my 20s, it all happened. It was very traumatizing for me. And I ended up being a stay-at-home mom, which is something I really did, did not think I'd be doing. Uh, I, I dropped out of dental school the day after orientation. and All of a sudden, my life's changed. Um, and then I was, became a stay-at-home mom and I was like rebelling against the you know, the traditional roles of being, you know, a housewife. And like, it really, really bothered me. And like, I, I know, like my, by the time I turned 40, I was so depressed. And like, I felt I was stuck in my box. Like there's something more. I have four children, thank God. And I was busy with them, but there, I knew there was something more for me. And I finally, you know, when I went to my next bridge, I was going back to school. I, and I was being, and my troll tried to attack me. I just turned to the troll and said, like, okay, you're, you're cool, but I'm ready to move on over to that other side of the bridge. And with that, you know, I, I crossed it, I graduated, and, like, now the universe is always open to me because now, like, I'm constantly evolving. I know, I have no idea where my life is leading me to, you know, once it's like, oh, maybe I'll, like, you know, help students and children and evolve to working with daughters of Holocaust survivors and now then a speaker, an author, you know, retreats, and I'm constantly growing, and, and you know, I, I'm going to be doing a panel, I'm part of a panel coming up soon, and so it's all, you know, I just let the universe guide me, because you know what, God plans, <laughs> man plans and God laughs, I may as well let God take the wheel. <laughs> Absolutely, and your analogy of trolls and bridges, like, 
that's why I asked you earlier. You're so articulate and you say things and my brain goes and I just, I love it. It's visual imagery. That's how I work it. <laughs> how I function. It's like you speak my language because it gets me. But the troll, yes, absolutely. I mean, literally, I see gnomes when you do that and I could see the little hat sticking up. And I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I, go there. I, mean, I mean, do you remember the old book, the old story, Three Billy Goats Gruff? That was basically the story of the, of the three goats that tried to cross the bridge and their trolls wouldn't let them do it. I'm going to look it up and read it to my yeah. kids. The bridge. Billy Goat Gruff. Billy Goats Gruff. My three Billy Goats Gruff. It's great. My daughter crossed a bridge last night and her Girl Scout graduation. So the bridge is like fresh in my brain and the symbolism just hit and it's like evident. Like, yeah, yeah. No, it was like three billy goats tried to cross the bridge and a little billy goat came to the bridge and, you know, because they're trying to get to the green pasture. The, the first billy goat came up and the troll comes up. It's like, I'm so ravenous, I'm going to eat you. And so the little one says, well, you know, my bigger brother's right behind me. Why don't you wait for him? You'll get more out of him. So he said, okay, so he let him go. And the second, he said, wait, I have a, you know, I have a bigger brother. Don't worry, you, you can eat him. So he let him go. So the big brother came, but the big brother had the big horns. And he's ready and he like bumps the trolls off the bridge. So basically what I'm saying is like, don't let those trolls keep you from crossing your bridges. You know, there's always a way to get around the other side. So that's my analogy. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Avoidance. I get so many things behind that story. Just... The avoidance, the fear, the the lack of, of confidence, I mean, just everything, diversion, um, it's all relevant. Um, yeah. And I wrote it down, I'm going to books a million. So, um, Suzanne, <laughs> can you tell us, what is a, uh, I'm sure your perspective is completely different when we talk about trauma recovery, and you have so many different cultural components that I'm intrigued, but... Um, what did what was your breaking point? Like, what does what made you decide recovery and and even to uh, build your business? There's something in there. What what was the breaking point for you? I think Annika, the breaking point for me was um, about 18 months ago. My life was very different. You know, I was this corporate lawyer. Um, I was top of my career and things like that. And then I blew the whistle. And life fell apart. You know, I had death threats, um, everybody calling me a liar, things like that. So it was really horrible. At one point, I didn't get out of bed for quite a while. I stayed inside um, until my daughter said to me, Mom, do you realize that you haven't left your room in two weeks? And that was a bit of a shock to me because, you know, um, I didn't realize how much of a of an interview or just how much I'd retreated from the world. That wasn't me. And I think your analogy of dealing and healing, because up until that point, I'd been dealing with everything, you know, just um, going through the motions, dealing with lawyers, dealing with journalists, dealing with everything. Mm -hmm. And I was, I looked at myself in the mirror and there was this, my confidence was gone. My self-esteem was low. I'd put on a lot of weight because I'd been watching TV and eating and just, you know, not really looking after myself. Mm. And my, I, I looked at this and I said, Does, is this what you want to be? Because you're going to allow um, something that was good for you um, define you now in the bad way because people were calling me a liar and things like that. Um, and there was a lot of controversy. So there my journey started, but I think I also started, you know, dealing. 
it is coming, having to then deal with my daughter moving to the US um, and becoming an international student made me realize that I actually have to, to reinvent myself uh, and look at new ways of doing business and look at what it is that I can do to help other women in the same situation. Because like you say, women don't have a voice um, or their voices are suppressed. And particularly when I look at my experience, that's what happened. I was very much the lone woman in a man's world. Um, and what lessons did I learn from that? So then I realized I actually have something important to say. You know, I can use that. I don't have to hide away from the world. And that started my healing process and recovery process. And that's why I do what I do today. I love it because, um, you know, a lot of if I If I... Go ahead. Um, if I may, what's so interesting, what you said is like, you know, when you talk about healing and dealing, dealing is about wearing the mask, right? Hiding who you really are. And even the weight gain, it's, it's about putting a protective wall against around us, like stay away. We want to be left alone. And, and when you do that, you know, you kind of go in. And um, so healing is about taking off the mask and like shedding off the weight and like, here I am world. I'm here to stay. I'm here to say, and I'm here to be seen and, and be heard. The, 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 all of it. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so that's great. And you know, it's so interesting because even the corporate world, I always talk about, you know, you were saying, um, about, you know, finding, you have to find our tribe as women, you know, and I've said this before with Annika and it's part of my next talk you know, in the seventies, we want to be like men. We like threw the bras off. We put the big shoulder pads on. We went to the corporate world with our pinstripe suits with the briefcase in hands. Like I'm here and we're busy climbing the ladders and pushing everybody out of the way. And of course, if we have a baby, you have to, you know, come down that ladder. And like, there's always a reason we are always falling down the ladder. But truthfully, that's not who we are innately. We're not that in our ancestors. We were not the hunters. We were the gatherers. And, and to find a tribe to collect these women who are, who are giving and receiving, it's a tribe. Go back to our tribal roots. It's a tribe that women, you know, takes the village, right? We, we need to gather ourselves, help each other, and, and elevate each other. And I always use the analogy of that game, levitation, or, or Eliza Feather, where the girls used to come together and try to lift the child in the middle up on the floor without, it was just the energy of the group. So, you know, great that you found the corporate world doesn't work for you and just find the women who will lift you up. So, thanks, Susan. Great. <laughs> I want to go into the three stages of trauma recovery because we're talking about trauma recovery and I always like to look at philosophical, you know, literature and it says stage one, safety and stabilization. Mm. What does that mean to you guys? Yeah, I think uh, Annika for me, it's Suzanne speaking. For me, it was, it, it's the, it's the very first stage. You need to feel, um, you know, that you are in control. So you create the safe environment for yourself. Um, and I think that's when that's quite um, surreal because you're not really dealing with what's happening or, um, you know, facing the fact you just want to make sure that everything is in the right place. Things are going the way that you want it to go. 
Um, and that is, that is what I created in, the, in, the, in my first stage of recovery as well, is to create a safe environment. For me, my safe environment was my house, my home. And that's where I was going to stay until I was ready to go into it. But then I got very comfortable in it and I needed someone to, <laughs> to kick me out of it. And luckily my daughter did that, you know, by saying to me, do you realize that you've been stuck in this room for two weeks? <laughs> so I can identify with that, uh, that first stage. Like shaking you up. Come on now. Yes. Yes. Come on. Snap out of it. Like, but you know what, though? I tell everybody, give yourself that time because, you know, when you take the brunt of anything, you're going to need some recovery time. And a lot of people think that you should never fall, like never get down. No, that's not true. Just don't stay there. Get, yes. You know, take your time, absorb, you know, analyze, regroup, and then you plan, you know, and then you get up. And, and number two says remembrance and mourning. While you're down, go ahead and mourn because that's the thing. People don't understand that grief is not only in death. We grieve things and grieving can be perceived as traumatic. You know, when any, any, when any stage of life changes, any season changes, you have to allow the, the transitional periods. And a lot of people like to live life and skip those periods. It's like, oh, just go on to the next. No, everything, the word process is there for a reason because there are stages. And so... While you're down, you know, while you're in your little safety, little net, uh, get ready to be un uncomfortable. But, you know, remembrance and mourning. Stage two, remembrance and mourning. You know, mourn. You know? Yes. Like you're I learned, you know what I mean? Mourn it. Yes. I learned that valuable lesson while, I was, while I've been here in L.A. I actually mourned, you know, the loss of the life that I knew. Exactly. And I finally feel much much lighter um you know and accepting that that life is not going to be there anymore i'll remember it fondly but that's not that's not who i am anymore you know um so i think that that is very true you know people forget i had i learned that valuable lesson just um recently that you need to you need to remember and more but it's not that that life isn't there anymore it's that you're going to build on it Exactly, because now you use that experience into the next phase of your life. Preparation. It's perspective. It's how we see things. It was preparation for something greater. Yes. It's not loss. It's gain. Yeah, and I think that that's this is Randy. This and I think that's where you know thinking about the safety and stabilization. I I I found myself finding my safety net in my, I call, I call all of my people, uh, my pack, my pack of humans. And I, I found myself not, not just like I would purposefully plan time with my siblings, which I realized I hadn't done in years, mm -hmm. but they were, they were my people. They were when I, that when I'm with them, even as chaotic and dysfunctional as it can be, because that's what family is, they, they have this ability to stabilize me and, and like, all right, you're getting. And, and so I found myself like, 
planning time with them on purpose. And, and then my, my brother had been attending this church and said, Hey, would you, are, are you thinking about church? Like, what are you doing? And I was like, honestly, if you leave me in my bed, I'm going to stay in my bed. Like I'm not going to get myself up on a Sunday morning, but if you ask me to go, I'm going to go, like, I'm not going to say no to you. And so uh, wrong thing to say to your brother. He said, come to church with me on Sunday. And I was like, okay. And it like that kind of that reconnection, like, I feel like I'm on, like, I can sort of say I'm on stage three, like there are aspects of, I feel like you kind of bounce back and forth maybe a little bit, but right now I'm reconnecting with, with myself, which is, which is recovery. And I'm, I'm reconnecting to a greater community. And, and it's, and I mean, even today I found myself like in a, like in a kind of in a bad spot just with physical side effects of, of having gone through treatment. And I like reached out to a friend and she was like, I'm here. What can I do to help? And I feel like somewhere along the line, I lost that. And so having, having that, that pack, that tribe that you can go to, to, to support you and to pull you out of the funk. Like I have friends who even in the way I respond to a text message can say, uh, what's wrong with you? And I'm like, nothing. I'm good. They're like, you're lying. Tell me now what's going on. And it's, you know, having people not allowing you to stay in that and, and not allowing you, you know, my, my daughter can do it. She, you know, she can say, mom, like, what is wrong with you today? And I'm like, I don't think I realized anything was wrong. But then if I think about it, I'll be like, oh, maybe I was, maybe I was kind of subconsciously going somewhere in my thoughts that I didn't realize that I needed to like, I needed somebody to, to pull me back in. And, you know, and that's kind of where having that art and having, having things to go back to, I'll go set, I'll, I'll go set at my bench. And, and then the next thing I know, I'm like, I've been here for two hours, but I feel completely like completely better. And so it's like, it's having kind of knowing it's a way to me, to me, trauma recovery is like knowing myself and knowing what steps I need to take. And so, yeah, I mean, I think I, I can say with, with complete certainty that I've hit all three of these stages just in the last couple of months. And I'm sure I'll, you know, hit them again tomorrow because that's just, that's kind of the, the, the nature of the way, the way we are. Um, hi, this is Sherry. Um, my safety for me was going to therapy. That was the safe space for me where I got to share and felt no judgment. And I was able to open up and, and just cry and, and just be myself. Um, but I had to go to therapy, parent-child therapy. So I had to bring my baby with me because there was some type of disconnect between me and my baby. So there was a disconnect between me and my mom where I didn't get that emotional and mental support from her. And I always said to myself, you know, I don't want to be like that. I'm not going to treat my baby like that. But subconsciously, I was. And I didn't realize it. So bringing the baby to therapy, you know, we had to play with the baby and do certain things with the baby. And I'm like, why are we doing this? I love the baby. And she's like, you love your baby, but it's not just saying that you love him. You need to do things. 
with the baby? Do you read to the baby? Do you hold the baby a certain way? Do you kiss the baby? And I'm like, no. She was like, well, you're, you're not, um, you're not healed from the trauma that, that you felt with your mom. And I had to deal with that. So until I sat down and thought about all the things that happened with my mom and had a conversation with my mom, it really hurt the relationship that I had with my son. He's nine now, and I felt very uncomfortable, you know, holding my son's hand, kissing my son. I was like, because I, I didn't get that. So for the first couple of years of my son's life, he didn't get the hugs, the kisses, the hand holding. I was like, now that I think about it, I'm like, oh. I feel so bad about it. But I'm like, you know what? He has an entire life to live that I can give him all the hugs and kisses and hand holding that he wants and needs. So that was my way of dealing with all three of you know mourning, and it still hurts. But I I have a chance to be better, a better mom than what I had to my kid. That's breaking something right there. Hi, this is Susan. First, in response to Sherry, you know I'm so glad you went through that process because you know. When, when we have our own trauma, first of all, we always recreate our relationships. We, we, we recreate our relationships over and over again. Well, whatever we learn from our parents, we, we teach our children. Um, with that in mind, I mean, I've had mothers and daughters, adult mothers and daughters coming to me. And we have to go through the entire developmental process again, you know? I mean, when you hold your, your baby and you have the eye contact, that kind of was missing, you know, when you're depressed, when, you're, when you, you tend to neglect your child. Not on purpose, but that's how you're dealing with it because you don't, you know, you're depressed. You put up this wall around you. You don't want to, you don't want to, you know, but what your child is missing out. So it doesn't matter when you're doing it. I'm so glad you're doing this. Glad you're starting the developmental process again. That's number one. Number two, I think what we have to understand is what does it mean about safety and stabilization, right? So when we are traumatized, what happens is our cortisol level rises. Our, we go into that fight, flight, frozen mode. And what happens is our heart races, our muscles get tense, we don't digest well, our mind is out of focus, and, and we, can't, we can't process the information. So we need to stabilize it. We need to create homeostasis. What does that mean? So if your heart is racing, you need a way to slow down your heart rate. If, you're, if your muscles are contracting, you got to learn to relax your muscles. If you can't think, you have to learn to slow down your thoughts. And one of the greatest tools that we have as human beings is to take that deep breath. Because what happens is when we're also breathing up here instead of down below. So we take those deep breaths. It, we allow ourselves to, to slow down our heart rate, to relax our muscles, to get back in thought, and to act and not react right? Because that's the reaction creates a cycle of reactions and nothing gets healed. So with that said, we need to create stabilization, not just in our world around us, but within us, within our bodies, right? So, you know, take that deep breath. That's the first thing. Yeah. And you have to find safety and stabilization because that's who we are. So that becomes our own trauma, you know? And, and like you said, we take these lessons, and sometimes like you have these people come into our lives and they're, they're nasty and they're mean, like, let's say abusive husband or, or, you know, somebody comes into our life and they're there to teach us a lesson as much as we hate them at that moment or a lesson, you know, whatever 
natural, you know, catastrophes, anything that happens to us, we need to acknowledge that they were put there for a reason. And until we are ready to learn the lesson of why it came to us and what do we need to learn, we'll, we'll keep coming back over and over and over again. Um, so sometimes what we just have to say is, thank you for the lessons. Thank you for showing me what I need to know. And I thank you and I forgive you. Because that's that forgiveness as part of of the mourning process is letting go and say, okay, I, I understand. I'm letting you go now. I got, you know, I've dealt with the grief. Now I'm ready to let go and reconnection and integration. Yeah. Find your tribe. That's the best way you can do it and get back to your family, get back to your roots. The whole idea of being safe, not being safe is not being grounded. Go for a walk, get grounded. Go get grounded. Like Annika said before, it's like, Oh, you're not sitting on the floor. <laughs> it's like, I usually like to sit and get grounded. Because it's the root chakra that deals with anxiety, our belief system, our traumas. It's that root chakra. So we need to get on the floor. We need to ground ourselves. We need to go out in nature and ground ourselves. And that's stabilizing for us as well. So reconnect with nature, reconnect with people. And socialization is very important for our health and well-being and, longe and longevity. Even in the, I did a, a Breaking Cycles podcast earlier and connecting with nature was number one in the recovery process of that. And I find it so interesting because we do a lot of things subconsciously that we don't realize is actually theoretic. You know, we, we like, I love to go to the beach. Like I will literally drop my kids off and go sit on the beach. I make all my big decisions around water. I, if it's the thing, I just do it. Never really kind of looked at the theory behind it. Just, it just feels good. You know, another thing when you talk about being grounded, my kids love the floor. You can provide a bed, you can make, you can do whatever you want and they're going to pick the floor. It's weird, but it's interesting how these concepts are actually original, you know? And so we talked about a few things and I want to bring out two points um, that we talked about because Randy talked about it and Suzanne talked about it too. Isolation. Both of you guys mentioned it in different capacities, but it was isolation. And the reason why we have to connect and reconnect is because the only way that we fail is when we isolate. We love to get in a space and kick everybody out and kick all reasoning aside and all of that. And that's great. We need time to ourselves, but time to yourself and isolation are two totally different things. And isolation is almost, I, I hate to say it, but demonic. It's where you are opening yourself up to attack. And that's what we all tend to do. And it is horrible. That is that is the worst space for us. And it's where we lose all of our dreams, our vision, our drive, our motivation, our strength. It just kind of just, it all sucks out, you know, during that period. Um, and I forgot what my second point was. I don't know, but Susan was saying good stuff anyway, so I don't remember. <laughs> well, well self-sabotage, that's what it is. You know, like here we are think, pushing people away. Yep. Well, we really need them, you know, yep. like, you know, pushing prayers away, but we really mm -hmm. need to reconnect to God, right? Or yes, whoever, the universe, whoever, you know, yep. there's, reconnecting with nature like I don't want to go for a walk but you know if you go for a walk you'll feel better you know if exactly you I do it all the time oh my gosh but the other thing too I think you made a good point Susan is that sometimes it's that we're connecting with the wrong people 
because the thing is we're pushing everybody away but what it is is that the people that are offering the hand we really want it from somebody else and we need to ask for help like you need to ask for what you need because a lot of times we assume or we wait for it to come we know what we need but we don't go out there and get it we just sit and wait and we just turn everything else away instead of getting up and going to get what we need and sometimes we talked about therapy we talked about nature we talked about meditation we talked about changing our environment changing our job changing you know uh sherry talked about toxic people randy talked about it too i tell everybody very quickly demote and promote accordingly because the only way that i am who i am today is i started kicking people out of my life and i used to think that i was the i never wanted to do that because i felt like it was my job to make people feel like they belong because it was something i yearned for my whole life but the reality of it is is that i have the power to control who i give access to and we have to know that that's okay. We have control. The reality is it's not your job. <laughs> well, well, the thing is, is that I, I thought I didn't have a right to tell somebody no, that, I, that they don't have a space in my life. I thought that I was a bad person for making that decision, you know, but we're given intuition and we get energy and we, we're given that, that intuition for a reason, to protect us. And when we go against that and we just allow access to anybody, then you're, you're allowing anything to happen to you. I agree with you, Annika. I had um, what I call an audit process <laughs> and, you know, going through and, uh, and I, I sort of gave myself permission to say it's okay to audit once, not once a year, but as, as regularly as you need to. Mm -hmm. So now that I know that the people that are in my life really want to be there and, you know, that as Susan says, they are my tribe um, and we can connect on various levels instead of having, you know, thousands of people that actually don't mean anything to you, yeah. or just, or just drain you. And part of being a part of a tribe, it's all about like giving and receiving. There's, there's equality, yes. you know, you give and you receive, you have to do both. You have to be, you know, like, like our heart, right? Our, our heart is what it does. It, right. It gives oxygenated blood to our bodies and receives deoxygenated to send off to the lungs to, to re-oxygenate. Re so we, again, there's that, there's that, you know, homeostasis of giving, receiving, the balance, the duality. If you feel at some point that somebody in your tribe is the weak link or somebody in your tribe is sucking and draining from the tribe and is not giving anything back in return, it's toxic. So, you know, it becomes, you know, a parasite. It becomes a cancer. So you have to learn to let go and not feel bad about it. Absolutely. And like you said, toxic. And that's the thing that once we identify it, we have to do better. And too many of us, we let it go on too long. And so I want each of you to give a word of advice to listeners on how to obtain and maintain homeostasis. Um, for me, again, I'm going to say it again. Like, if you find yourself, like, because aware of your body tense become aware of what happens to your body when you stress when you're anxious when you're nervous be aware of what is actually going on in your body and when you become aware at that moment stop take three deep breaths and hold the breaths and then let go of it slowly and do that three times then you're gonna start feeling like more relaxed and you shall and even tell your body because it's tr something that's stressing is something that's triggering a memory cell in you, you know, it's like 
like maybe you were a kid once and you touched the flame and every time you see a fire, you go, oh, I remember that feeling, what it feels like, it's hot, I won't touch it again. So to, to become aware of your body sense, to see what's triggering it and don't react to it. And like, just take a deep breath. So that's like tip number one, like take a deep breath and uh, yeah. And, and uh, as Elsa said, let it go. <laughs> I love it, Elsa. Yes. <laughs> And that's something that people can use anywhere. It's not right. something that you have to have something for yeah. no tool or anything. All right, who's next? I think for me, I would suggest having having a place um, that you can go. And because sometimes you do need to get away from the environment. Um, I have, I live, I live in the country and I live near several different kind of river points. And I've got this spot down this road that, I don't really even know how, I, I mean, I know how I found it, but I don't really know like why it's my spot other than I can get there. There's this great rock and I just sit there and listen to the river rush past me. And I, I think having, having a spot to go to, to give yourself a moment to take that deep breath and to clear your head um, is, is one way for me to stay in that, in that space. So that's, that's my, that, that's my one word of advice. All right. What about you, Suzanne? I think, I think, yeah, my word of advice is um, give yourself a break and listen to that inner voice. Um, Don't wallow in what other people think. Um, Just make sure that you are true to yourself and that you are able to then use what you hear um, because you know yourself the best. And um, I think that would, you know, that was my biggest strength is actually giving myself a break and being able to reintegrate and walk on. I like that because you basically said endorse yourself. You know, we spend so much time beating ourselves up and acting like, you know, we don't have the answers and we don't know what's right, but you're saying, Tap into that because you are you are the best one to make the decisions for you and to know what you need. And that a lot of times we avoid, we ignore it. We know it. We ignore it. So self care. Um, and Suzanne, just on top of that, I'm always interfering. Sorry, but you know, it's that inner. We talk about the inner voice a lot of times. It's the inner critic is so much louder. Yes, that we have to quiet it down so we can hear our inner wisdom, right? Yep. So listen to the inner wisdom, stop the critic, because somebody told us that in the past and we start believing it's the stories we tell ourselves as we're saying in the very beginning, you know, those are the stories we tell ourselves, which is not necessarily true. It's the belief system, right? Again, we're going back to the root chakra. So get grounded. Thank yes. You. I agree with Susan. I think that inner critic, you need to learn to silence it and listen to, to, your, to your wisdom and your voice that actually tells you and guides you. Absolutely. Well, I think that we have given listeners a run for their money and they need to seriously tap in. I hope that you guys have heard something today. Um, This was very, very calm and serene compared to what I thought it was going to be. I thought we were going to be like crying and like all stuck on some trauma stuff, but no, it's just the real deal on how to deal, you know, how to, how to heal, not deal. Um, 
on on how to get past the things that that we are we are and we all come from different backgrounds which i always love and we're gonna go visit suzanne in south africa (laughs) you're most welcome (laughs) so listeners i want to thank you guys for for tuning in and ladies i want to thank you thank you guys for being here to talk about something uh that so many avoid um, and I want you guys to stay tuned. We're going to bring you guys some more on trauma. Trauma is my jam. And I want us to do some more uh, digging um, and provide more information. So um, thank you guys for tuning into another edition of Your Voice, Your Power with Anika. I am Anika Wilson. And Susan, last words? Just, uh, just be seen, <laughs> be heard, be authentically you. <laughs> Love it. Suzanne? I think the same. Be authentically you and learn to recognize your power. Randy? Don't be afraid of yourself. Uh, I think sometimes we're afraid. So don't be afraid. Step into your power and, and be you. And that's okay. The people who the people who need you will will be attracted to it. Awesome. All right, y'all. That's all for today. Stay Thank powerful. you. Thank, thank you. you. Oh, thank you.